0: Welcome to the Growing With Purpose podcast. I'm Paul Spiegelman, and we're doing behind the scenes with very special leaders, learning about what shaped them into who they are in business and in life. My guest today is Laura Boone. Laura is co-founder and principal at Turner Boom, where she is responsible for business development, marketing, and brand strategy. In addition to being a successful entrepreneur, She has used her intuitive gifts of clairvoyance and clairsentience to help others grow and thrive. We're going to have to hear about that. Welcome, Laura.
1: Hello, Paul. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, gosh, we have a lot to dig into, but before we uh, get into... Uh, All the things that you've done, uh, both of your lives, so to speak. Uh, (laughs) Let's go back and uh, talk a little bit about Turner Boone, how it started, how you got into business, um, a little bit about what you guys do.
1: Yes. Well, Turner Boone started in 2004, May 2004, and I started it. I'm a 50-50 owner with my dear friend, Ellen Turner, hence the name Turner Boone. And we were both, Paul, in sales, and we were in the commercial furniture industry. And we, I guess you could, a lot of entrepreneurs are like this. We were kind of both control freaks. Um, In our industry, the salespeople hand off the project to the designers and project managers, and you really kind of lose control when you hand it off, and then they expect you to go sell more. So Ellen and I really didn't like the results of that. We wanted to, you know, have more of a relationship all the way through a project with our our customers. And so we decided, and and also we, we weren't happy with the companies we were at in terms of integrity. You know, we just, we didn't like some of the decisions that they were making in terms of just honest business. And we came together and we, Figured out pretty quickly that we each had, like, she has a left brain and I have a right brain. So that was another good thing. Together we made a really powerful hold. So we decided that we were going to jump off that cliff. You know, Thelma and Louise, people have called us Thelma (laughs) and Louise. That We literally drove our car off that entrepreneurial cliff and um, built our parachute on the way down we figured how hard could it be well it is one of the hardest things i've ever done but it was absolutely one of the most thrilling things and most rewarding things that i think she'd say the same thing that we've ever done so it's it's been a wild ride but we own a commercial furniture dealership so what that means is we sell i mean office furniture is a really boring and very limited way to describe it we we really sell workplace environments and not only do we sell the the chairs and the desks and the lounge furniture, but we also really get into workplace consulting in terms of how to make a workspace um, match your company's brand, as well as how do you um, attract, you know, the new new types of workers, which by the way, they're always changing. Every generation brings a new work style. So it's really about workplace culture, which I love. It's, it's about Trends, it's about um, helping leaders really when they make this huge investment in furniture, helping those leaders understand um, how to match their physical space with the direction they want to take the company. And it really, really can make an incredible impact on culture, um, productivity, mind share, collaboration, all those ideas can really, all those aspects of a company's culture can really be amazingly improved, touched, um, and also just steered by your furniture.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I resonate with that a great deal because uh, we were in the call center business, which isn't known for probably uh, great environments, and or uh, you just think of all these cubicles, and uh, when we uh, Built our facility back in 1995, we really went with um, an incredible design to make an environment in which people would thrive and and love to come to work every day. And it really became part of our brand. So people that would come and tour it uh, as much would look at the physical environment as anything else. So I know just in these last years, uh, the office design and the environment is obviously a very big part of company culture. So it sounds like you guys can have a really big impact on, on these businesses.
1: Oh, we, it is a thrill Really, to take, to walk into a company um, and really listen to them and understand their vision. And, you know, every company is as different as an individual. You know, they're as different, different as people are different. They all have real specific personalities and goals. And to really see a transformation, to really give, it's almost like giving them a just a better platform, you know, to leap off of. And to be a part of helping somebody achieve their dream in that way or an organization to achieve their dream in that way, to be a part of that has been such a rewarding part of, of having this company, I'll tell you.
0: Now, what I'm always impressed with is when people like you and Ellen made the leap from corporate America, so to speak, to do your own thing. Um, How did you ultimately get to that point where you guys were willing to take that jump? How did you fund the business uh, and really get started?
1: Well, you know, I know people say this a lot spiritually. We really kind of got to some true lows in our in our company cultures where we were working. And, you know, we worked together. I was with a manufacturer and she was with a dealer, which is what Turner Boone is. We were a dealer. And the two um, in my industry can't live without the other, they coexist. So we were both really great partners in going after deals oh. together and we were both really good at sales. But we were just finding that the cultures we were in just were becoming really miserable and they just completely went against what we were both about. And so I don't think I would have ever started my own company if things had not gotten so miserable at mm-hmm. my job. And so I look back and I think, wow, that's a blessing, you know, because I could have, I, I was really good at sales and I was making a lot of money selling. So it was almost like the adversity and just the the cultural aspects of it um, really drove both of us together to say, we want to be in control of our own environment. We want to be in control over the people we work with. We want to be in control over the ethics at our company. And we know we can sell stuff. (laughs) So we weren't worried about finding business. That's what we were both really good at. So we said, well, if we can just figure out how to run a business, we can bring in the business. We just have to figure out how to run it. And that was our big Um, learning curve, Paul, was to learn how to be entrepreneurs and run a business. We had no training in that at all. So we just started literally um, on my business partner's dining room furniture, dining room table in her 800 square foot condo. We had no money. We had a radio shack phone literally in 2004 that we would People would call and I would say, you know, Turner Boone, Hole, please. <laughs> and I would press mute and, and I would transfer them by throwing the phone to the sofa where Ellen was working. <laughs> it was really funny. It, and uh, sitting on camping chairs the whole nine yards. Both of our fathers put gave us a line of credit on personal assets that they had. Neither one of us comes from a lot of money. So my dad put a line of credit on the equity in my parents' house and Ellen's dad put a line of credit on a small piece of property they had. So we didn't we weren't really given any money per se. We were just given lines of credit. And we're a a distributor business. So managing cash flow is just crucial. And talk about a learning curve. I mean that was really something we really had to learn was how to you know, build credit lines with banks. Like having a great relationship with a bank, um, really managing your cash flow, understanding what it really means, was crucial. And a lot of businesses that are distributorships, like mine, that's how they go under. When people really don't understand how much money they really have, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, because you, you'll have a lot of. Of cash coming in and out of the business because we're buying products and having products made. We're taking deposits. So, really sorting through and understanding how all the money works was a big learning curve for us.
0: Yeah, people really don't know how typical it is for companies to start just like yours, uh, bootstrapping it, having no experience, and and we just learn as we go and make mistakes along the way and somehow figure out how to survive them and uh, be resilient. You know, one of the things that uh, strikes me is that it took you and and Ellen's um, some measure of guts to finally make this move. And it might have come from misery, but still a lot of people will stay miserable for many years or uh, in their career. So you guys made that jump. Uh, Let's go back a little bit. I'd love to see where this came from. There's uh, at some point you, you realize that uh, you were a leader, that control was important to you. When do you think you first realized you were a leader?
1: Well, you know, I never really thought of myself as a leader and I never really thought of myself as an entrepreneur. And, but now when I look back, all the signs were there from the beginning, I just didn't identify with it. Um, you know, when I was younger, I'm just one of those types that, you know, if no one else volunteers to do it, I do. Um, if there's a problem, And, you know, or an emergency, I mean, I can, I honestly, I can tell you it happens when there's been a, an emergency or people are panicked, you know, even when I was little, you know, if somebody falls out of the tree and breaks an arm, you know, I'm the one who got really calm, who started telling everybody what to do. Mm. And everybody just gravitated and said, okay, like, let's listen to her. Um, It's just sort of this innate ability to just step up and go well and not with ego it's really more like why not me you know no one else is stepping up somebody has to step up it may as well be me and there's a scrappiness in that and my business partner is the same exact way for sure
0: yeah that that means a lot uh anything um anything else in your childhood or were your folks involved in business at all or what kind of impact did they have on on the early work? Oh my
1: goodness. Yeah. It's really funny. My, I'm from such, I'm immersed in a family of bankers Mm. and I mean, you know, wear the blue, same blue suit every day, (laughs) um, left brained Excel spreadsheet, you know, routine, routine, routine. I mean, my my brother, my brother-in-law, my brother, my father, other relatives. So I grew up, around a dinner table um hearing about mergers and acquisitions and cash management and treasury services and Paul it was so bored. I mean, I was the black sheep, artistic one of the family and I would just look at them and go, "Well, I'm not going to have anything to do with anything that you guys do mm-hmm. at all. I'm going to be the artist." You know, I went to art school and had no desire to ever get into business and you know, again, it's so funny. It's like I ended up kind of looking in the mirror one day and going, oh, you're an entrepreneur. That's what you are. I mean, I couldn't figure out what I was, but I'm very, I, I do have that business strain that I get from my family, but I kind of bring a real creative twist to it, you know, which is entrepreneurship. So, it really served me well to hear about all that. Now I didn't realize how much I was absorbing, you know, and now I look back and I go, wow, all the structure too that they brought to their work and just thinking about money, like in that way, almost like chess pieces. It really, I don't know, gave me the confidence or I I had more of a little bit of a foundation around that than, I really ever thought I did. And then I kind of bring the creative part to it, which is so useful when you have a company because nobody, you know, there's not anybody telling you what to do. And there are all these situations that have no answer and you just really have to figure it out. And sometimes it takes a lot of creativity. I mean, you know, that You've done this. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, uh, I kind of wish that there were some talk about finances around our dinner table. So you're lucky to have had that. I still can't figure (laughs) out how to read a spreadsheet. So um, I think that that was very helpful uh, for you along the way. What about early jobs uh, that you had?
1: Yes. Um, I, again, I had no desire to be in anything that remotely resembled a real job. Um, I hated all that. So I I worked in art galleries. I worked in museums. I worked in restaurants. I like to be really busy. I like to multitask. I put myself through college. You know, I, I worked in art galleries and waited tables and put myself through college. And, and I went to art school at NC State University and went to design school. So, but what's interesting is that when I look back especially in the art galleries I worked at they were all small businesses and I really I learned so much about bookkeeping and um, inventory and selling and negotiating and I mean just on a very micro scale I was constantly in small businesses really until I started Turner Boone I I worked for one bigger company where I was selling commercial furniture and then I started my own business. So really the majority of my career, I was working for proprietors, you know, Mm -hmm. or entrepreneurs. And I learned again, you don't know what you're absorbing until, I mean, I didn't really understand what I was absorbing until, you know, I started Turner Boone when I was 37 and things would come up and I would go, Oh yeah, well, I, Yes, I, I remember this happened at one of the companies I worked at. We can try this, you know? So it, it was a very hodgepodge of experiences, but it all came together and it all kind of served. It's, it's all served to me now.
0: Yeah, incredible. Can you think of a specific, maybe, um, event or a time when you learn something from an unexpected place or from an unexpected source?
1: You know, I think, I think, gosh, this is not a big um, crazy moment, but this is one of the really defining moments of my life. Was really, you know, I, I did not want to be like my dad, who was the, again, the blue suit banker, right? Every day gets up at the same time, and goes to work every day. But I will tell you, one of the biggest. Sources of strength I ever drew from was just, you know, when you're an entrepreneur and you're starting a business, the first three years, I, d- I barely remember. I mean, we were working eighty hours a week. I mean, people would bring us food. I would get up and wear the same clothes the next day because we just didn't have time. We mm-hmm. we had proposals due, and and I just remember just how hard it was, and I remember just thinking, oh, I can do this. My dad worked that hard, and and you just have to have discipline. You know, and that was something that I had never really known that I had. And I drew from that, you know, knowing I can do this. I come from a long line of people that can do this. So it served me well. So that's not a big, crazy story, but it's a very powerful, I don't know, source of strength and tenacity.
0: Well, again, it gave you confidence. Confidence, um, so, yes. so today... Uh, Tell us a bit about the size of the company, either revenues or number of people. Uh, and you guys were voted one of Forbes' uh, best small giants in America, as I understand.
1: <laughs> it's crazy. From a dining room table to that, it yeah. truly is that. It's that story, right? We um, we have. I think by the end of this year, we'll have about twenty-eight people. We've got four more. We've got about twenty-four now. We've got four more starting this fall, like in September early October. We have a location in Macon now. We're based out of Atlanta. We have a location in Macon. Mm -hmm. We anticipate on the Turner Boone side to do we're shooting for 30 million in gross revenues this year. We have a really exciting thing, Paul, I haven't even talked to you about that happened this last week, so it hasn't been formally announced, but we are starting our own installation company which is really exciting. We just signed a lease on a 30,000 square foot warehouse and we're getting crews. So that's a real big kind of jumping off the cliff again, but our business, we waited to do this because, you know, we're, we're starting to control our supply chain. If you will, we've always outsourced our labor. And so now we believe we have enough Turner Boone business to feed a labor company. So that is going to add several employees this fall with a different company. So that's where we are now. I can't believe it. And we're, we're growing. I mean, we anticipate in the next three to five years, our goal is to be a 50 to $60 million business. And we have plans for that and a strategy for that. And I think we can do it. It's very exciting.
0: Oh yeah. I'm sure you can do it. And, and uh, look at where you've come so far. And for anybody listening to realize that uh, you can take that Miserable job that you have in the corporate <laughs> world, and you can get rid of it and you can start your own thing. And you know, in a little over 10 years, be a 30 million dollar business on the way to 60 million dollar business. But I think what uh, what I'm more impressed with is, is the type of business that you've built that you decided that you that uh, the kind of culture you had was going to be important, that being involved in your community was important. And to be recognized as one of the top 25 small giants in America is really special. So congratulations on that and, and all of your, Thank you. your success. And, you know, you mentioned the idea of multitasking and um yes. when i when uh i learned about your I, I guess we call it other life that that um <laughs> you know how you follow your passions uh, not only for uh the business world and design but uh, you're a clairvoyant and, um, and or an intuitive. And I want to hear about that. I was just I was telling you that just just the other day, we, uh, my family and I were talking about that. And, and our kids aren't really even familiar with astrology or their signs. And our, my daughter was is 15, was born on December 26. And we were going, what sign is she? Um, and we've had no exposure to that at all. So just in this conversation, you probably are going to tell me more things about me than I already know. But Uh, uh, but, um, let's hear about where this came from and, and how you, you take advantage of that and live that passion today.
1: Yes. Well, yeah, it's, it's a, it's really interesting, Paul. I, I say I came out of the closet Mm -hmm. with this probably officially about eight years ago, but I've had that gift all my life. Um, you know, I would have psychic dreams. I'm very empathic. sentient is what people call it, but I, I have psychic feelings, psychic seeing. Um, you know, I, I do, I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but, um, again, I've come out of the closet. I, I, I talk to dead people. I see dead people. Um, I never, ever wanted to talk about this with people or, you know, but, but what happened is that more and more people started asking me to do readings for them you know, to work with them in this way. And I use astrology and Tarot sort of as tools and I've learned about how to do that. But what happened was that was just a fun kind of hobby when I was 20, 21. And I, I remember doing Tarot cards literally at college ball and just for fun, just because it was funny and people would stop and go, well, where do you see that in the cards? You know, and Mm. I would be like, Oh, I don't, I don't know. That's when I started realizing, oh, I like, I'm getting more information than other people. I'm different. So even with Turner Boone, I, you know, it's very corporate what I do. I will work with CEOs and things like that. And I would never in a million years bring this up, but the rumor started getting out in my business community that I did this. And then before you know it, you know, I've got the CEO of the company that I'm, selling furniture to right and they're calling me going I heard that you do this and I heard that you're really good at it could you see me and so before you know knew it I I just do this for a lot of people and it just grew and grew and grew and then about seven or eight years ago I had to go to my business partner and I just said Ellen I said you know I think I want to do this more I feel like it's a calling I, I can help people it's a service you know it's a way I can be of service I said but you know, there are going to be some people, if they learn about this, that might not want to do business with us, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't want to jeopardize Turner Boone in any way. You know, you're half of this equation and I'm not going to come out about this unless you are okay with it because it could hurt the company. And, you know, Ellen's such a supporter and a daredevil. She was like, go for it. You know, if they don't like you for who you are, or if they want to judge you, I don't care. I don't want to do business with them. Well, you know, what happened, Paul, was nothing could be, you know, the opposite happened. It's just been such a, everybody's interested to hear about it. You know, everybody that I work with loves the idea about it. You know, I've started my own podcast, you know, about that. I'm working with other people that are in the spiritual business, you know. So it's just been a a way I believe I really give back, you know, and I really enjoy doing it. It's a trip, Paul. Oh, man, I'm I'm just
0: fascinated by this. So um, do you have, have you ever had a situation where an employee or someone, uh, like you said, you might have another business that thought, okay, this is a bunch of hooey and I'm not going to do business with them or something. But I can also see maybe an employee who felt threatened, like you were just going to see right through them or, or something like that. You know, have you ever had it impact you in a negative way or is, have you always been able to turn it into a positive because people are just so interested in, in, in hearing from you?
1: It's really only been positive. Um, it has helped me, uh, avoid negative people or I think really get in touch with situations in meetings. Um, I vibe on people. Or, I mean, I I really do, and my business partner leans on this, oh, my gosh. I mean, we just, we have meetings around, well, what did it feel like?
0: Mm. You know,
1: we we take all the other considerations into place, financially, whatever, and then it's like, okay, what does it feel like? And I'll even kind of do meditations on it to get information. It has helped us so much. So it's helped us avoid employees or really know, yeah, how, you know, what's really going on here, you know? Um, But honestly, in terms of, you know, making employees uncomfortable, it's the polar opposite. It's actually a perk. If you work at Turner Boone.
0: (laughs) You get a free reading. You get a
1: free reading. And i told all my, you know, I was out with some of my employees last week and one of them was so cute. She was so great. She said, Laura, I heard that you do this. And I was like, yes. And she goes, is it really out of line for me to just tell you I'm interested in this. I said, do you want me to do a reading for you? Mm. And she was so embarrassed. I said, I would love to do that for you. You know, so it was just, it's a way I bond with my people. It's wonderful. It's only been great. You know, I'm not doing it, Paul, for any ego reasons. I don't, you know, it's, it's, it's happened to me. It's not something that was ever a goal for me. Um, so people sense that. They sense my motivations around it or to help people.
0: Yeah, I I wouldn't look at it in any other way. Did you, um, how, I'm just curious, when you were younger and you uh, started to feel that you were different, how do you validate that? Did you just find a community of other people and realize you were just like them?
1: You know, I, well, it was really, really difficult. And I, I didn't understand what what these gifts were when I was younger and it was actually really difficult. And it's part of why I do a podcast because I'm in a community now where we try to help other people and especially parents with their kids, Paul, mm. um, that have sensitive children. There's just so so much more of a community and a language around it. You know, they call them indigo children. They call them all these things, but um, where they can get some knowledge or just not feel like they're crazy. I was really empathic. So I would pick up on negative, negative energy. It was hard for me to separate myself from other people in terms of my emotions. So that was really kind of a hard experience. The older I got and the more knowledgeable I got and the more of a community I found around it, it started to, I started to be able to understand what I was. I started to be able to have words, you know, I'm not just depressed. In fact, that's not my emotion. That's, you know, the situation I'm in or the person that I I was just around, you know, so it was burden, really more than it was a gift when I was younger. Now it is, doesn't bother me at all. I know how to control it. I know how to have, uh, boundaries around it, which is a lot of what I teach. I teach other empaths, you know, how to have better boundaries. So it's, it's now, it's just a, it's a bonus, you know, it's a secret, (laughs) it's a secret weapon. (laughs) And it's, a, it's an advantage and I can help people.
0: Yeah, it sounds exactly that. I, I might be uh, calling you up to help you with my teenage <laughs> daughter um, uh, or me, uh, who, as the case may be. But, um, oh, I think it's tremendous. It is uh, It is sort of an advantage. It's kind of unfair, actually, that you get to have this leg up on the rest of us.
1: Um, well, you but- know, I don't even think that's the thing. And I've done a couple of shows on intuitive business in my podcast, but um I, I think everybody has intuition. I think that there needs to be more of a place for intuition in business. It needs to be more of a practice. You know, Ellen and I use it as a practice. It's, you know, we look at our P&L sheet. We, you know, look at our org chart. We work on our processes. We, and then we, we, we go, what's the emotional state of our company? You know, what's the emotional culture like at our company? You know what? What's the intuition at our company? Are our, our, our employees, are our, our our leaders, uh, other leaders in my business, are they using intuition? So it's an it's an important thing. I hope you know all companies will start to recognize the value in it because it is something everybody can use. I think.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree, and that's where I, where I was going with it is. It feels like that, although we might not have the innate abilities that that you have, uh, I always say that no matter what business we're in, we're in the relationship business. You know, how from a yeah. practical standpoint can those of us uh, normal people use intuition <laughs> in our in our business life, in developing relationships, in meetings? Uh, how can it be a bigger part of our our business life?
1: Well, I think that's a great question. And I think, you know, I, I think the tides are changing. I think the the way we look at business is changing. I think the way people, um, the I don't know, the the mantras people attach to how you do business are changing. You know, when I was younger, um, high school or whatever, I remember thinking, you know, in, in the 80s that, you know, people would say, well, it's just business. When they do something terrible or when there was, you know, somebody wasn't getting along or, and, and somebody would get emotional about it. They would say, you know, you need to toughen up. It's just business. And I think that's not the right way to be. I think, I mean, you definitely have to be tough. You definitely have to put your emotions aside at times and just rely on discipline or, or practicality. You know, there's a time and a place for that. Absolutely. But you know, how you feel about things, If people would stop and and not try to numb out when they're doing business, when they're in a negotiation or when they're, you know, trying to make a decision about something, I think the opposite is true where you need to check in. You know, how do I, you know, if I'm thinking about selling my business to somebody or doing a major deal with somebody, how do I feel when I'm with that person versus Mm -hmm. this other person? Mm -hmm. You know, do I feel bad? Do I feel, do I dread meeting with them? You know, I mean, Ellen and I leave a meeting and, and again, that's part of what we discuss. That's part of the evaluation. How does, how does that, how do I, what's my vibe around that person? Because I think there's a lot of extremely valuable information in that where, you know, sometimes we're just feeling terrible about doing something, but we're like, well, but the numbers work. Right. And those are moments where You know, sometimes, yes, you need to forge ahead for practical reasons, but when you're doing your pros and cons list, uh, people need to add more of what their intuition is to that pros and cons list. They need to add, add their emotional vibes on a situation to that pros and cons list. They need to add behavior, like what people have done, not just what they say, to the pros and cons list.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's absolutely right. And if you haven't already, uh, you should write a book on this because uh, you could take these words, even when you say, you know, check in with the emotional vibe, you know, my first question is, well, what's that, right? So from a mm-hmm. very practical standpoint, what does intuition mean? What does gut mean? How do you evaluate that, uh, in a conversation, yeah. in a, in a meeting, in a business deal? Uh, mm-hmm. it's just so incredibly valuable. And those like you that, uh, whether we have those special skills or not, uh, uh or that intuition, maybe you can see it in ways the rest of us can't. But, uh, I think m- many of the, the, the tools of intuition can be taught and i hope you'll continue to spread that word uh because i think those the trend as we're seeing is less about the numbers as the leading indicator of success anyway that's that's the lagging indicator that we get from making good decisions based on relationships so, i
1: agree i yeah. mean we're emotional beings yeah. And so why would we and we're doing business with other people and we're working with people who are also emotional beings so so why have we been taught a lot as a culture to ignore emotions or put them aside?
0: Yeah, that's right. Well, if, if you think about your growth as a leader, too, and, and um, there's a lot of great things that have happened, obviously, as you and Ellen started and have continued to run and grow your business, but can't always be easy. So uh, can you think of a, a humbling experience in your leadership life that uh, is a story maybe you'd like to tell?
1: Oh, yes. Well, you know, I think two things. Number one, um, anytime, you know, whenever a lot of times when I'm talking to other entrepreneurs and they're like, well, so what's the Turner of Turner Boone? And and I'm like, well, I'm a 50-50 partner. And people just go, oh my gosh, how is that working out for you? (laughs) You know, it's really hard at times to have business partners. There's rarely you know, it's, it's almost like marriage. The odds are stacked against you, um, to, to really make it. And she and I had power struggles right at the beginning and it was really humbling. Um, and we almost, almost, um, you know, disbanded Turner Boone, um, until we both decided we really wanted it and that we were stronger together and that we needed to put, you know, our differences aside, and we had to we had to come together, and we literally went and saw a counselor, and we still do. We actually have a standing appointment every Wednesday <laughs> with a therapist, and you know now we just have such a great relationship, and it, I mean obviously we've been successful. Like it's because we're functional, it's because we respect each other, it's because we've worked on our business relationship. Um, but we now we have a standing appointment where we go and we just talk about whatever comes up, you know, it might be about an employee or about something else. That was really humbling, but it was also one of the best things that we ever did was just to really make a commitment to you know, doing whatever it took to make it work because that was our secret sauce was the two of us and then together. And then I'll say the other thing, the hardest thing, you know, we had a really rough year a little bit after the downturn. I think it was 2009. Where I had to let, I think we had to let a couple of people go, but we had to we had to cut people's salaries. Um, you know, people that had families, people. I mean, I, I we've always cut our salary, especially in the beginning. You know, I, I'm the owner, so I'll be the first person to not take a paycheck right from the beginning. You know, in the, when we when we were younger, but when you have to go to somebody who is supporting a family and do that it's really hard and talk about humbling. I mean, it's just heartbreaking. We take very seriously the fact that we're stewards of a business that supports families. So that was tough, but you know what? Our people stayed. They took the pay cut. We got through it and, you know, raised their salaries again. So we got through it, but it was hard.
0: Oh yeah. And when you lead by example like that, uh, people will fall on a sword for you. They, they will follow you because they know that you're genuine, you're humble. Um, and, and now as, as, uh, you've been through those tougher times and, and you see this kind of growth, uh, how do you not let it get to your head? How do you remain (laughs) accessible and authentic to, to those you work with?
1: Yeah, that's a great, that's a good question. Um, you know, it's been really, it's been really interesting. It's, it's really interesting when I look back and my company, it's totally different company now, you know, and we have probably had seven or eight totally different companies in the 13 years we've been doing this because we've grown so quickly. So yes, how I relate to, people in my organization has had to change because the company's changed. And it doesn't mean that I'm not as devoted to them, but it, you know, there's just a different structure and um, I've had to be a different leader. Ellen's had to be a different leader. So I don't know. Ellen and I are just, how does it not go to our heads? I, we just don't, we just aren't like that. Um, we, we just aren't. Security is more important than flash or great wealth to the two of us, you know, we're both more conservative, which is a really, which is a reason we've stayed together and we work well together. We both have more of a conservative bent, not as flashy. We're not flashy. Um, And we all also have always wanted to put money back in the business. We've also always wanted to have as little debt as possible, you know, so, we just have different, we have the same values in that sense. I love having more money. It is especially given that I was, I can't even tell you how poor I was the first three years of this. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I'm 40 years old making Mm $30,000, you know, or not taking a paycheck for three months the year that I made a whopping, you know, $30,000. So I'm really happy that I don't, I don't, you know what I say, Paul, my worst case scenario is getting better and better. (laughs) <laughs> so I I just don't have to worry, you know, like I used to about money, which is what I worked really, really hard for to have that peace of mind. Um, but it's nice to have nice things. But what I'm most proud of and what I rest in the most with having a successful company is I'm not worried about money.
0: Yeah, it's a nice, nice place to be, and um, it's a really nice. I, place I'm sure all the the bankers around the table in the early years are proud of you. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, Laura, if you look back now and and thought about all the lessons learned, what would you say is the most important quality of a leader?
1: I would say the ability to grow and Maybe a better way to put this, and I think Ellen and I both share this mantra, you know, how you get there is not as important as just keeping your eye on the goal. Like, be flexible as to how it gets done. Don't get so attached to your idea of what it is or how it has to be. Be flexible about how you get there because the business is going to tell you what it needs. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be, you have to mold to that and be nimble and flexible and take your ego out of it and just focus always on the goal. that to me is what a leader is. The leader keeps everybody's eye on the goal and, you know, tries to figure out what the best place for your team is in order to achieve that goal.
0: That's great. Uh, if you uh, were talking to a young person now who's just starting their career and said, Laura, I want to just be like you, what would you uh, what would you tell them? What advice would you offer?
1: Well, if they're saying they want to start a business, um, if that's the, the main way that they want to be like me, um, I would tell them that they need to just get started. And maybe not everybody would say that to somebody because I, I believe preparation is important, but there's no way you can truly prepare for how to run a business. I mean, I don't care how much, what schooling you've had, if you've learned, you know, some vertical of the business you're starting, I'm sure that'll be helpful. But at the end of the day, you know, you don't have everything you need to do to run a business because you need a little bit of everything. Right. So you have to be willing to just be bold and, start and then learn as you go. That's
0: right. Yeah. Just just do it.
1: I wish I had started 10 years earlier. I mean, I, I kept telling myself, Oh, well, you know, I can't do that. I don't know what they know, or I don't know how to do that. And Oh my gosh, just do it.
0: And in this day and age, it's easier and easier just to start. Uh, and, and some people do it on the side until something builds up. But, uh, Uh, You know, uh, this is great. I I, I have so many takeaways, Laura, that that, uh, I got from this. Um, And the first is really what you just said. Um, If you don't have fulfillment in doing what you're doing, do something different. Do something different. And and you guys were willing to do that. Uh, Obviously, the idea of bootstrapping, um, I think something that was uh, innate in you from early on that really hit me was when you said, if no one else volunteers, I do. Um, And you may not be the first person to raise your hand, but you're always there to support uh, and help people in times of need. And that's a really special quality. I think talking about how people to use their uh, to try to use emotion and intuition in business. And while that might sound uncomfortable, I think there are practical ways to do that without the special uh, powers or whatever it is that you have of being clairvoyant. It's I know that it's helped you and can really help others in in business. Another yeah. one is that, uh, when the going gets tough, see a therapist, right? And I, the whole idea there is no, it's no different than a marriage or anything else. And and the key is you guys could have walked away and the easy thing would, would have been to quit at the time when things got tough and, and working with partners is, is very difficult, but you guys sought help and, and you're genuine enough to admit that that journey never ends. Um, and, and I think that, is what has made you guys even better leaders and um better business people and and lastly the idea that uh the goal is what's important and don't regulate how you get there, and 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 if we're honest, we don't really know how to get there. So right. you know, let's react to the things that happen along the way. Let's have good values. Let's be good people. Let's try to build good relationships, and 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 we'll get there. We'll get there over time. Uh, the fact is, uh, even though I know you guys wanted control, you didn't know when you started in 2004 how to get there, and and you're still learning along the way. Um, so. A lot of wonderful lessons uh, that you've learned, but I think our listeners can learn from as well. And I want to close out uh, with just a couple just quick hit questions like the association game where I'm going to ask you a question. Just tell me the the first thing that comes to your mind, okay? Okay. All right. Name a famous leader you look up to. Gandhi. Uh, Ah. Name a great book that influenced your leadership style.
1: Siddhartha. uh, Herman Hesse.
0: Uh-huh. All right. Uh, how about your favorite all-time movie?
1: Barton Fink.
0: Barton Fink. All right. I haven't heard that one yet. Uh, I
1: it's... am the life of the mind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. You are now stranded on an island. You get to take one thing with you. What do, would it be?
1: A big notepad so I can draw and write. Oh,
0: okay. Uh, I was thinking you were now. Don't you have a golden retriever?
1: Oh, yeah. If... It would definitely be sunny.
0: Sunny gets to go too.
1: Yeah, it would definitely be sunny, but if it's just an object, yeah.
0: All right. Well, I'm a we're big golden retriever people too. So. Um, oh my gosh. So yeah. sunny gets to go.
1: She um, literally has a bed next to my desk. So oh. She comes to work with me every day. Yes. Oh.
0: All right. <laughs> and uh, although I, you have been very transparent, what's something about you that many people don't yet know?
1: That I almost became a spy for the CIA. Ooh. But at the last minute, I decided not to.
0: Wow. That, that, (laughs) yeah, your talent might've been very helpful, uh, then, then, and now, um, uh, well, Laura, this has been great. I really appreciate you being on the podcast, sharing your story. Um, uh, just wonderful to talk to you.
1: Thank you, Paul. It's been a pleasure and I love your show and I hope, you know, that I said something that could help somebody along the way. That's what it's all about.
0: Oh, well, you said many things. Well, to everyone, thank you for joining me on this episode of the Growing With Purpose podcast. Until next time.